before it was much more of a buy my product, that's the only thing that matters. But what we need to try to understand is that probably in the last 20 years, the entire world completely changed. There is a lot more fidelity that we have and trust that we need to build with the different brands before buying. Look at what's happening in the world right now. If big brand that takes a political choices that we don't like, we don't buy that brand. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome to the Selling with Love podcast. The guest that I have today is an incredible individual that I've had the joy of working with for several years within the realms of Mind Valley. He was the former CMO. He has been in charge of advertising. He's worked on online events as well, which is going to be the topic of what we're going to cover today. His name is Elicio Peroni, and he has created a scale up summit where he teaches businesses how they can actually scale their business, especially if in their space of online education. But what we're going to realize is that whatever product or service that you're selling, whatever business that you're in, there's always going to be a part of what you need to do, which is educating the potential buyers, educating the market into choosing why your product or service is the best one that they should use. And what we're going to talk about today is some of the most effective ways of educating people, not only in a way that is effective, but can be done at scale. And so I'm super excited to have Alessio here to share more with us. Alessio, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jason. Lovely introduction. Super excited to be here. I'm curious to know. So I talked here about, you know, how education businesses are going to be the ones that really can use tools to educate online and on scale. But I feel like there's an element of education that happens within every business. What's your thoughts on that? Absolutely. Like a lot of different experts in the world agree that every company is going to become a media company. And that's because we know it. content is king. And if you don't show up by line today, it's going to be more and more difficult, especially for higher ticket products, to make your sales. And to me, content, in most of all the case, yes, can be an opportunity to entertain. But most of all the time, it will need to be an opportunity to educate. And when this comes, the principles of funnels, the principle of online events, the principle of education will actually be the most important ones to make the difference between a bad marketing campaign and a great one. And that's exactly what's my business, what I try to do every day. Well, it sounds like there's a shift in the way that we do do these funnels, which are like ways of taking a prospect and eventually making them into a customers. You speak on the ways that are not so effective. So how are things been done before we started acknowledging that we're all moving towards being educators and media companies? Well, before it was much more of a buy, 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 buy. Okay. <laughs> uh, before it was all about uh, buy my product. That's the only thing that matters. But what we need to try to understand is that probably in the last 20 years, the entire world completely changed. And while before, maybe it was a lot more first come, first serve, or maybe the differentiation was on pricing. And now it's very different, like reviews. There is a lot more fidelity that we have and trust that we need to build with the different brands before buying. Look at what's happening in the world right now. If big brand that takes a political choices that we don't like, we don't buy them, right? 
<laughs> so things are very different right now. And we as consumers evolve a lot to assess and judge the different brands and products in a way that that's a lot more mature. And uh, this means that every brand, every company needs absolutely to have a strategy that is much more comprehensive and need to look at a lot of different things. You need to understand what do you stand for, you need to understand how do you communicate that, and what's your tone of voice, what's your style, and all of these all together makes the entire difference between one company and another. It's not just anymore about the product, it's about many more things. Mm. The business of doing business seems to have gone a little more complicated. And if we have to add this role of being a media company, I know that you hear these things like, oh my God, I need to have a social media account. And before that, you know, if we go 20 years ago, people were like, you need a website. Some companies were like, nah, I don't need a website. But now if you don't have a website, you don't exist. If you don't have a presence online, you don't exist. Even to the point that I asked earlier, some of the people listening into my Selling with Love Challenge right now, I was asking who's somebody here who is not in an online business. And we were quickly to find out that somebody who was selling art was like, but I do have a website. And so I say the statement that we're all online businesses now. And the next wave seems to be, as you predicted, we're all going to be media businesses as well. Does that necessarily mean that we should all be on all the social media channels? We need to be posting everywhere. We need to be doing thousands of different things now. You know, we're already so busy. Is this a necessity to do everything else too? Absolutely not. <laughs> and this is something that a lot of people get wrong about marketing because obviously when I talk about media company, they get scared and that makes sense. But obviously that's what's happening. The more and more, the bigger you go. But the reality is that if you're a solopreneur, if you're a coach, if you're a consultant, do you need to have a team of 10 people producing content and cutting it for different formats and social media specialists? Absolutely not. Like The reality is that your business is pretty simple. You have your hours in the day and you need to have enough clients to make sure that your business is successful. So to me, the most important thing is focus. Understand exactly what's the number one thing that new clients and if this one, most of all the time, might be a social media, for certain one, maybe life coaching might be more Instagram. For others, might be business coaching, might be more LinkedIn. So I would say focus a lot on that and focus a lot on the 80-20. Put out the 20% of things that bring you the 80% of your results and go with that. Master one single platform, do a sprint for like six months to run that single platform, do a very good job there. And maybe that's all you need for your business, right? Then maybe if in the future you want to transform your own coaching into entire school of coaches that would want to go way beyond that, then probably you will need to go on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram, maybe on TikTok as well. That is a much more comprehensive plan for a bigger company. But for solopreneur and for people that are just starting, focus on something, master it, and then think about anything else. That's really a relief to hear you say that because yeah, it can seem overwhelming. And it seems like every expert that's practicing for their platform are telling you that you need their platform. And I think we have to realize that they have a great incentive for making you use their platform if they're going to be selling you products or services around that usage. But I am going to hint towards something that you do and you do speak of, which is a very effective tool that I know is the focus for our conversation today is online events or mechanisms for nurturing and converting these people that we already have their attention. And so talking about social media, this media platform, we're trying to get people's attention, but you speak a lot about these online events, challenges, summits, et cetera. Can you tell us a bit more about what is this niche that you really specialize on and why it's so important? 
I love online education. I believe that that's a fantastic way to change people's lives. And I've been lucky enough to work for the past seven years in doing this at scale with amazing authors and helping their message to amplify more and more. What I would say is that, to me, it's pretty simple, the, the basic concept around what I do. Think about when you were in school. What was your favorite subject? Each one of us might have a different subject, but I'm pretty sure that that subject, you had a teacher that you loved. It's just as simple as that, right? And what happens is that whenever you love a teacher, you will love that subject much more. And the more you are able to show to the people outside that you are the teacher that they will love, the more they will be way more likely to buy your product, to follow up and get that results that you promise, or to buy your course and keep on going deeper with you on your teachings. That's the basic principle. And that's why running online events is such a great thing, because it's an occasion for you to show them if you're a good teacher or not. That's it. Like, there's <laughs> no more complex than that. And once you get that occasion and you're actually are able to show your skills, to show how good you are on that, then for sure you will be able then to achieve amazing results. And that's what I do. I help people choosing the right online events for the right business in which they're in. And based on that, we design it in a way that it allows them to perform in the best way possible and obviously to close the sales in the easiest way possible. Mm, I love that. And so we're really wanting to give people kind of a taste of what it's like to do business with you. You are an educator yourself as the product, but even if it's not, you just are able to establish yourself as an authority that makes it so that people are much more excited about doing business with you or buying your product and service that you endorse because a level of trust gets established. But you speak as well that there's different ways we can do this, right? So what are the main things that we should be looking at? And maybe there's a way to do this research because if I'm like, okay, I want to be able to establish that relationship. I want to build that trust, but where do I start? Absolutely. I love it. Usually in my business and what I advise people is that there are three major models that I use. One is a webinar. So I guess that one is pretty familiar with a 60 to two hours class, which you teach something and at the end of it, you sell a product. The second one is a challenge, similar to the one that we are doing right now, in which for different days, you come back and actually not just learn about something, but keep on applying and actually achieving something while you actually learn. And then the last one is a summit, which is basically the opportunity to have Tons of speakers that come all together for a series of days. And it's basically a conference online, as simple as that. These to me are three great ways for you to teach and for you to actually allow people to go in different ways. What's interesting is that different elements of your business might require a different type of online events. And that's something that's very important to understand. So we have these three different models, which are kind of like the big blueprints we can start from if ever we were looking to create that, the webinar, the challenge, and the summit. And I feel like each of them might have different objectives or different levels of complexity. And the one that seems to stand out a lot is the summit, because now you're dealing with a lot of different speakers. So I'd probably want to put that one aside for now, because when I look at a webinar and a challenge those seem like they could be fulfilling some very similar roles. Could you elaborate more about the similarities and differences between these two? So what I would say is that a webinar is a simple one class, right? And in most of the cases, how this is structured is around 
explaining a model or explaining four secrets to do X or the four common mistakes that don't allow you to do Y. So it's a sort of a listicle of things like that, but it's a lesson. And if you compare it to other things, it's a sort of a freemium model, in which is a free lesson that I'm giving to you, in which we can see if we like each other. And if you actually like that and would like to go deeper with my teaching, I have a course, I have a product that I'm selling on that. If you don't have a price that is too high, I believe that it's actually a very, very, very good thing to do because it's pretty simple for people to just invest 60 minutes, decide if to buy your product, and based on that, go ahead or not. The problem is that the webinar works very well usually with your own audience. So if you already have an audience and you want to educate them a bit deeper on something and then sell something out of that, very easy. On cold, which would mean with people that never heard about you, it becomes a bit more complex. And uh, it's not enough time to build that kind of trust that you might need to bring them from, I don't know you, to I want to buy something from you. And obviously, this gap is pretty easy to bridge if your product costs a couple of hundreds of dollars. But if your product costs thousands of dollars, it's kind of more difficult in 60 minutes to convince someone that you know me, you never heard about me to actually give you such a big amount of money. And that's why in those cases, it would be much better to do a longer event, like a challenge. And what I really love about the challenge is the concept that I'm not just teaching you something, I'm also making you do something. And that's something important because people don't get out of the challenge just by saying, oh, I learned this. They get out by saying, I learned this, apply this, achieve that. And I did that in such a short span of time. What can I do if I have a longer one? And that's what means very interesting. So something that I say to my clients is think about the challenge, like a way in which you start thinking about your ideal prospect. You look at him and be like, okay, at the beginning of your journey, you're here. At the end of the journey, you're here. Is there an easy step that I can make you do in three to five days? that I can bring you here. But the very important thing is that you need to teach your prospect the gap. You need to explain them you can arrive here. You can arrive at your ideal dream life, and in three days, you can already have a significant change. So on the challenge, you sell them on making that significant change, and if they actually make that significant change, then for them, it's way more likely to believe that they will arrive to their dream life with you. Because you already prove yourself that you're a good teacher, that you allow them to be accountable and to generate crystal. And based on that will be for them a no-brainer to actually say, I want to go with you to this bigger coaching package or consulting package or whatever you're selling that will allow me to achieve my dream life. And that's the big difference. That's the big difference to me. So if I understand this correctly, is for those with an existing audience, you already have some people that are paying attention to you and have some sort of knowledge of who you are. With a webinar, it's quite simple to put together. It's about a one-hour session. You can do it and you can feel comfortable that at the end, you can sell something for a couple hundreds of dollars and these results seems to work really well. There was a question from Brooke, who was one of our attendees here on our live challenge, who's actually asking about the difference of the impact that happens whether an online event such as a webinar is actually happening live or it's recorded. Do you have any statistics or some opinions on if it's worth doing live or if the recorded is good enough? 
So what I would say is that, especially if you have a small business and you're just starting out, it's the first time that you're doing a webinar or a challenge, absolutely do it live. Kind of all the stats prove that doing something live performs much better than doing it evergreen. That's obvious. Whenever things start to become very interesting is when you want to scale. So the classic suggestion that every good marketer will tell you is do a things 10 or 20 times live, nail it very well, and figure out the right scheme, the right way to say this thing, the right way to pitch your products, the right way to answer these objections. And once you figure this out after doing it 10, 20 times, then record it. Because at the time, you would have a perfected class that then you can take it and use it for you. And ideally, let's say that when you do recording, you can achieve great results. Like Mind Valley is an example in which we were going recording. But that's because it's a company that obviously works at scale. And that makes sense. But then again, whenever we were recording something, we were recording a Zoom call. Like we were creating literally an event. That's why we were calling not webinar, but masterclass, because it was something that was so unique and so beautiful that it looked like watching our Netflix episode of Big Series. And that's a different thing there. So you can do amazing things even when you record, but on percentage, they will perform for sure less than when it's live. Understood. And so when it comes to the challenge model, then it's the same principles, although I feel like a challenge can also be translated into an online course. Is that more of the equivalent of something recorded as opposed to something live? You could. You could definitely do it a bit more recorded. One of the major things on the challenge a lot of time is that you call something a challenge and you create in a specific way. What's really important in a challenge is the community. For example, in the webinar, the community aspect is not really there. Well, in a challenge, most of the time, people have a Facebook group, or even if you do it on Zoom in a very simple way, you still get to know each other and you still create that kind of community. So what I would suggest is that there are great challenges that run Evergreen, but always make sure that you keep on the community aspect on. So if you want to run it Evergreen and you run it at scale and you're spending a lot of money on that, do it. It's great. But put someone of your team to be the community manager of your challenge. Or maybe yourself, if you are the only one in your team, to still be there answering questions, following up, making sure that people will do their homework and things, because that's the power of the challenge. And if you miss that, then this could become a bit more complex. Oh, that sounds really powerful. And there's definitely things I'm going to take on from the challenges that I run. I think there's a few things that I've forgotten as far as like making sure to create maybe a group for the community and such. So I'm in the process of learning, which, you know, is something that might be intimidating for people who are putting together these webinars or for these challenges is, you know, that perfection, you're looking at other things from other people, you might expect that you're supposed to do something a certain way that is beyond what your current capabilities are. How forgiving is it for you to get started, even if you know it's not perfect the first time? Absolutely. The thing is, even if I'm doing this for the past seven years, I'm still learning something new. I'm still getting ideas from what other people are doing, testing it out. And I don't think that perfection is something that you will ever achieve. <laughs> there is still always a long way to improve. So what I will say is that it's always better to start. It's always better to start, figure out what are your mistakes. Uh, you will not burn anything. You will not go through the 7 billion people in the world that will come on your challenge. And after that, you cannot run it anymore. 
that's not how it works, right? So keep on starting, keep on doing, uh, keep on improving because that's actually the only thing that matters. There are people that are very hustlers that do one challenge a week. That's a bit crazy, but doing at least one challenge a month, it's a great way, right? And maybe the first one won't make any sales. Fair enough. You learn something new, you'll try something different, keep on doing the next time. And that's something that's very important to have this method behind you. I like an example from a story of a personality and personal growth that I feel like most people would be familiar with, which is Jay Shetty. When he started doing presentations, this was not for an online audience, but it was actually a physical presentation. He ended up going in to do personal growth presentations within a university in England. And I forget the details, but I do remember that he walked into the room and there was nobody who showed up for his presentation, but he decided to give it to the MT auditorium. And a few times he's done that, that allowed him to perfect the talk up to a point that now people started to pay attention. And now he's great on camera and he's the personality that we know today. I've had some times that I've made these presentations where it was, I would invite people into a pitch clinic and I was able to help some people. One person would show up, but then I was like, I can help one person and they're going to get an individualized experience. And this is great. So I feel like there's always value being done when you're in the process of educating, whether it's done for one person, many, but that opportunity to scale is always there. These two models, I get it. They make sense. They seem really effective. There's probably some different tools that you can use from that. Are we okay with just using like Zoom for meetings? Like I know I've used that before. I assume that there's levels of sophistications on how you do that. So what are maybe some basic technologies that we should be aware of if we're going to put together a challenge or a webinar? So if you're really small, don't bother. Like make sure that you have a product with a checkout system that you can sell, and then you can even do the rest on Zoom or on Facebook. Like a lot of people do the thing directly inside the Facebook group because that's kind of a very natural thing. If you want to go something more intimate, Zoom works great. And that's the most important thing. Just get started, don't get bothered on the detail. To make it more automated and stuff, obviously there are different things. There is not yet a challenge structure, let's say that people are doing, but what they do when I work with my clients is that we go live and do a YouTube live that then gets streamed also inside Facebook groups and stuff. And we host everything on our own website. So we do something a bit more complicated because we've seen that that's what performs better. But overall, in general, in the beginning, just get started, most important. For webinars, there are a lot more tools because it's a funnel that's been there for like 10 years. And my suggestion is go with every webinar. It's a very simple one. You can already do good enough things. There are other ones. And frankly, the difference is not that big. Like there is easy webinar. There is a lot of different webinar platform and they're all very similar. Overall, choose the one that makes sense for your own pricing and then go with that. Lovely. And so I found that these two models, now I understand the difference. One of them being maybe more warm audience, maybe lower, lower price point, you go webinar. If you have more high price point and you're dealing with some people that you really need to nurture, the challenge model might be a bit more effective. But there's something quite different and unique about going with the summit model. And so can you tell us about the unique benefits of that for somebody who's just starting out? That's very interesting. That's the choice that I choose for myself. One of the major reasons is... I believe that Summit is one of the most amazing things that you can choose. If you are something out, but have a very good network. That's kind of what was happening for me, right? In marketing, I had some very good position. I knew a lot of amazing people. But at the same time, I was not famous because I was always the person behind the scene. 
So working with those people, leveraging a bit their own amazing knowledge and stuff, I could actually start creating a summit. And the cool thing is that I started with my network of 10, 20 people. And that's how I started my summit. And then since these 10, 20 people were pretty cool, then I started inviting tons of other people that were able to then join because they say, oh, the summit looks very solid because there are already these amazing speakers. And this then allowed me to bring more and more and more famous people. In my summit, in marketing, I was able to bring people like Jay Abram, Jeff Walker, Jason Campbell, <laughs> Vishnu Lakhiani, amazing people that were really doing amazing stuff. And that was working really well. The other side that for a summit is amazing is that you can do your summit free or paid, but if you do it free, it's a great way to generate a great amount of leads. That's exactly what happened. It was very easy for every speaker to email to our own list. It was very easy for other affiliates to email for us, to spend the money on advertising. So we did definitely some interesting things on that side. And obviously in the summit itself, it's great to give a very wide knowledge around the topic. And uh, I believe that in terms of selling, you can do two things. One simple one that is about selling the actual summit recordings. That's the simplest one that you can do. Or the other one that could be a bit more complex is creating a product that solves a lot of the questions that get opened up during the summit and then sell that product plus the recordings. That's something that for my summit I didn't do because I just wanted to start building a list and give a lot of value. So I just went for the recordings. But it was pretty interesting to think exactly in this way and think how oh, this is a great way to start a business. Because what to me is amazing about a summit is that in my case, I got 50 speakers. 50 speakers meant 50 hours of content that now I can take, repurpose on all the different social media. Uh, one of the things I will do in the future will be transform a lot of this talk into a podcast. Literally, like I filled in my entire pipeline of YouTube content for the next year, right? So it's a great way to create tons of content in a very short span of time and then to use that to repurpose it for all the different things that you would want to do in your own agency, consulting, or anything. Or going back to Jason's dad business, if you have a swimming pool business and you want to bring together some of the biggest swimming pool experts or backyard experts, that could be fantastic content that you could use for your YouTube channel for an entire year, literally by cutting some videos that were already made. That's a pretty lazy way of doing something great, give a lot of value, and allow your brand to go to the next level. Unless you, you share with us some powerful models that exist out there for anybody who's looking to have that education layer to be able to nurture that relationship with their leads, with their prospects, get them more into becoming customers. We talked about how these online events are a great touch point that you can have to really be able to make these things happen at scale and to be actually very personalized and really give a changing and transforming experience for the people that are involved with it. And so we talked about the three main models here, which was the webinar, the challenge, and the summit, all serving a separate need. We covered the webinar and the challenge quite extensively, one being for lower price point problems and the latter being for a little more expensive and a little bit new audience. And this summit that Alessio just explained, a great way to start with a bang by getting into the industry, connecting with everyone that is relevant within an industry. And so if you are clear on where you stand in your industry, what is the niche that you serve, and you can find all of the big people that are serving that industry, you'll be able to create a which obviously is a little more complicated, 
but can bring so many results, whether it's for great content that you can use everywhere else to be able to network and build relationships with some incredible people and to be able to attract their audiences to come into contact with you as well to discover what you're all about and to be able to build that effectively. Alessio, where would be a place we could go for either more resources and for anybody who'd want to work more extensively with someone like you to be able to put these together? Where would you direct people? Absolutely. You can add me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active there, sharing tons of content and simply linkedin.com slash Ian slash Alessio dash Pironi. Or if you want to go on our website for our agency, scaleforimpact.co is our website where you can learn a bit more about what we do with our different products and things that we do and if we can work together. We're going to make sure we include those into the show notes so everybody will be able to just go into your show notes. You'll be able to see more resources where you can connect directly with Alessio. If you are curious about marketing online, these online events, how it can help your business, he's definitely the person you want to follow. And you can look more into his business and how he operates it and how you can use his services as well. Alessio, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and giving us some light on these powerful mechanisms that we can use. I hope for everybody listening here, you've gotten curious about the power that it holds and you're going to be able to go and do more research about which mechanism will work best for you. They exist, they are powerful, and there are experts like Alessio that really help companies make them a reality. I've seen it happen at Mindvalley where we generate tens of millions of dollars in sales using these exact mechanisms. And I know there are so many people in the industry, whether it's the platforms, the technologies that facilitate this, but what I love the most about what was shared today, even with the introduction we talked about for the social media, is just getting started is sometimes the biggest step. So not overwhelming yourself with making it perfect, but really making sure that you're working towards progress. The first ones might not be so shiny, but the fact that you got started means your next one's going to be a little better. And before you know it, you will have trained a new muscle that is highly effective in growing your business, making the impact and doing it from a place of love. Alessio, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all this amazing knowledge and everybody here, keep selling with love. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast.